Okay, so hi. You're very welcome. My name is Steve Woods. I'm from the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, and uh, you're very welcome here. Um, we've got two very special guests here. So I've been um, talking to I don't know who they are, but I'm going to read this. <laughs> <laughs> Steve was our, was our first, our very first DJ. <laughs> uh, Rich Bin is an Academy Award winner and Battle winner for uh, Best Visual Effects for his work in Avatar. I think what it'll be next year I'll be saying for his work. I will say, we'll say, you can't defend on anything. Hopefully, <laughs> just the, the movie stands, that's all that counts. The uh, rest of it's a trophy. Stop interrupting me, Dave. You don't get a more intimate crowd than this. <laughs> so, uh, he was, his ultimate awards for his work in animation as an animation supervisor in Lord of the Rings, The uh, Two Towers, and The Return of the King, which he hails from a traditional animation background. Um, Shut up, Steve. Read the fucking bio. He made a transition to um, CG while um, working on the Iron Giant. You did the Iron. That's your face. I did. I, I did. I did. Rogue. Multiple things, but that was one of them. Uh, one of the uh, one of Richie's uh, favorite projects, and uh, his other credits include the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Cats and Dogs. He recently completed work on Altia, the Battle of the Angels. Alita. 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 Yeah. And. Um, he is uh, currently the uh, supervisor um, on the uh, uh, co-producer for the up and coming Avatar sequence. Um, so that's that's really uh, Darren Connell. Well, that's it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Darren Connell is a co-founder of Brown Bags Films, uh, in '94. Uh, uh, Darren produced the short of Up Your Old Sins, which was nominated for an Oscar. At the 74th uh, Academy Awards. First time I ever got to go to the Oscars. <laughs> it was on the back of it there. <laughs> and uh, subsequently directed the TV series, which went on to become one of the best selling Irish DVD releases of all time. In 2010, Darren was nominated for a second Academy Awards, producer of the short film Granny O'Grin's Sleeping Beauty, and was invited to join the Academy Award uh, Picture, uh, Academy of Motion Pictures after that. Uh, Darren's um, Director of screen credits include TV series on an animal, Captain an animal, can you remember that? Uh, <laughs> Olivia, which was actually a very, very uh, influential, I think, for the Brunnachtonauts, which was very, very big. Uh, Dara's uh, latest uh, director's uh, screen credits are Chico Bonbon, and, um, which has been recently heard on Netflix. Dara is, a, um, is, a group, is the group creative director at Brownback Films and Nine Story Media Group is responsible for the group's creative content. So that's that's um, the bios read and done because um, but I, I, I like you should have made it up yourself. I could I had a whole different story which would probably would have to stay in this room <coughs> But one thing uh, Darren did remind me of is that your first appearance in uh, the flag was in nineteen ninety three in your student film, which was a first year student project. Called uh, the creation of life without, and it's got a credit going up. Uh, yeah, Richie Bailey. Oh, the, the, the best really thing about it, do you know what the best thing about it was? No. Placing in the festival allowed us, we were sleeping on, we slept in uh, on the bank, which is now very posh, the West Bank. In a tent. In a tent. We could have a tent. <laughs> well, you could, because, you know, as a student, you were smashed. And um, the night that we got second, we got invited to the tent, and uh, there was free drink, we were like, <laughs> We had officially made it in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. that's wonderful. A wonderful film for that reason alone. That creditor directed by uh, Darren and and Richie. Um, So uh, the screen director's guild is really, really happy. We're going to have quite an informal um, talk. Uh, um, Please, please ask questions later on. Uh, Richie mentioned that a smaller space can be very, very good because it creates more clarity and more uh, interaction. So that's wonderful. Um, thank you very much for coming, and there'll be some drinks afterwards, so please stay for that as well. So long as we have a targeted crowd, we'll do fine. Yeah, okay. So over to yourself, Darren. Thank you very much. Darren's, um, thank you, everybody. Questions. Yeah, so I don't even know why I got an intro, because I'm, re- I'm just going to be asking Richie lots of questions. But by the way, if anybody wants to ask yeah. any questions throughout, just put your hand up, and you always prefer bit of you kind of have to interrupt Richie really because if you ask one question he'll just talk for a full hour anyway <laughs> so it, it has happened I witnessed it I witnessed it but um well, do, we want to show, the next? do we want to show a quick trailer or start, yeah. so anybody you can do what you want <coughs> oh we can just click with Richie off you go Press are you, are, are you well, I think there's a do you want this one or do you want to do the sizzle reel first do you want to do this one set up oh, oh I should change the sound sound just hit this ah Jesus hang on a second if you want to do it do it while you 
Not like presentation. Now here we should have done, this is where we should have done test. <coughs> this is very nice. We've just turned it and you may have already seen it. We've just turned it down. Oh, okay. I see it. No, she's still not. Can you sing along, Richie? You must know the team tune at this stage. Can you hum it? We lost James along the way. Um, no, it worked earlier. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Yeah, James was such a good guy. James Horner. Horner, yeah, he's just a great guy. But um, Simon Van Gorn, who orchestrated for him for years, is uh, is doing the music this time. So we, we managed to... Uh, so we'll talk over it, will we? Yeah, yeah. By the way, that shot uh, has to be redone. <laughs> Richie's still got retakes. Down to the no, last no, they're not, they're not in the right writing position, so we'll have to pull it back. By the way, just to... Uh, just to flag Richie's on holidays at the moment but he's still working eight hours a day on this bloody film while on holidays well I do two two four hours I do two two hours two two hours after. just just reviews <coughs> but that's not what we call being on holidays <laughs> Homer-wise you know I want the time with the kids I promise it's more emotional when you can hear it. <coughs> and probably in 3D as well, right? Now, by the way, do you want to pause the podcast? This is where edit is a great thing. So, I'm just going to be here in two seconds. Are we getting tech support? Yes. No, well, let me ask a question just to start off. Yeah. When, when, so, when did you win the Oscar for Avatar? 2010? Jesus, I don't know if I can... Something like that? Because we were both nominated yeah, at the same time. Dead, right? What if it's, it's 2010, 2010 and it's yeah. 2010? So, Sarah, can you save today? See? Can you get the, get the, the sound off? It's just you need the, uh, you just need the clicker. Yeah, yeah. Somebody find the remote. And the, the remote, that's the worst thing. I had it on stage the other day. We, we, no, since COVID, we're doing, we've it's gone just, all no, satellite. No, 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 Somebody's sitting on it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, check your chair. Here's Amish. Hello, how are you doing? We need the remote. Sound like we have a thing. Just Richie, just the first question I'd have is like, so the first movie was made like in 2010. You're, you're going to push through. Yeah. Like that. The Why? show must go on. Well, <laughs> I'm going to push through. So how did it take so long for this sequel to come out? That's a horrible question you know? to start with. I know, but oh, it's like, it's, it's, not, it's not, one that people are asking. Yeah, you know? yeah of course. Because, um, all right, well, uh, to be honest, because it was the biggest movie in history. Kind of an automatic sequel, but it didn't happen straight away. Well, there we go. I'll leave, I'll leave you to come up with an answer. Mm. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll answer that after this. Can't wait to see it in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> I know where it's going. And just to say, by the way, it's going to be in 3D and it's going to be at what, 72 frames a, minute, a second or something? Uh, we'll do 48. Uh, oh, 48? Uh, you okay. look, again, there's a. Uh, if you want to get into diminishing returns on frame rate, that's, uh, no, no, know, we don't need to go. Temporal but, uh, you know, is not the way to go, but that's yeah. a different issue. But the, like, so, so temporal it did, is the way to go. It did take a long time to come together. 
And you've been at Lightstorm oh, all that time. During, so, the, during the, those from six, seven years, if you talk to Jim, uh, he'll tell you first and foremost that he's not a filmmaker. Or he'll tell you that he is an explorer who makes films because it, it pays the bills. <laughs> but, um, so one of the things he did was he went off and, and dove to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. So he put about six years uh, into building a submarine and, and going to the very lowest point of the ocean. Why? That's, you know, his, his thing. But we built a, a park with Disneyland. Um, so there is uh, an Avatar park uh, in Florida. Um, and it was a very unusual thing. I, Imagineering is always something that... Engineering, all of it, is something that interested me. So to be given free reign and go like, all right, there you go. Well, you know, three rides. And it's, they're category rides, basically, how, what kinds of rides. Um, and the design between himself and John... Uh, John Landa was uh, the producer. Uh, we got to sit down with Disney and just design a park. You, you, you know, and you go like, it's just so random and weird and wonderful. But um, yeah, so again, one of the one of the great things I, I you know I've always been about immersion, always been about like trying to get it to feel as real as possible. Uh, you know, obviously these are you know ten foot blue people seven light years away. But if you can get if you can scratch out the cortex uh, of your audience just to make them go like, I know it's fake. Like suspension of disbelief is a lovely thing. But to go like, why will they give it up and just invest in the character? Because if you, if you can make them feel real, same thing with the, with the riots. We did, um, uh, I, I ran into a whole slew of things that Disney were like, no, that's not how it works, Disney uh, parks. They're like, riots, even engineering a riot, they're like, no, we're like, all right, cause it, has anybody been to uh, Disneyland? Uh, all right, so there's a ride called Soarin' Over California. It's a very gentle simulator that basically has a big wraparound 360 screen. And you, you basically, it, it, it gives you the feeling of flying, you know what I mean? But it's very gentle and it has three degrees uh, uh, on axes, uh, both X and Z, but they don't, there's no real plunge. There's a, you, you go up, you ride in place, and then it shows you video. You know, good, decent, wrap around 2D video but it's you know not quite the same so the concept was like how can you make people feel like they're flying so we built a design a machine and again if you guys get a chance to ride ride, ride, a, ride a flight of passage um, I would encourage you, if you to, to do it it's something it took us a long time it drove Disney bananas that we were like All right. I'm like no we're going to throw out everything that's ever been done and go back to how does the human body experience uh, inputs so inner ear spinal alignment there's a bunch of things that you can do and syncopation is the biggest thing that they, they just they've always looked past because video images it just wasn't a big part of design a park when they when they laid down the rules of how to design a theme park so uh, but we managed to smash that it was great it took us about six eight months to come up with a vocabulary we got a, um, a German a kooka arm do you know what that is I it's don't a, a kooka arm is <coughs> mainly you see, everybody's seeing how cars are built today yeah. Ro big robot arms well that's a kooka arm and it, it basically gives you it's a six off six degrees of freedom so you can move anywhere or a, or like an 11 axis laid and but what you can do is you have an end effector and you can do pretty much anything with it so you're getting very technical but but that you asked the question yeah but can, <laughs> can you get me tickets to beat the queue yeah yeah <laughs> You, yeah, but all in sundry now. But, uh, well, anyway, point being, uh, all you've got to do is we come up with a whole language of what affects the human body. How can you make things feel real? The first operator we had, we said, I want to roll upside down. And they're like, you can't. I'm like, I know I can't, but I want to, you know, again, suspend disbelief. If I engage the right parts of the body and turn the screen upside down and hand one off to another in a syncopated way, it'll work. So they're like, nah, nah, nah. It went on for ages. Eventually, I just said, all right, that operator has to go. We've got a kid, this guy, Dave Lester, just a, one of the younger animators. I'm like, all right, do you want to push? And so he, he was all about it. And we ended up just checkerboard the world. It's basically, you're flying through a world of, of geometric objects. Is all it was. But it has the sensation of flying because objects are passing you. And then in the middle of it, we took all the, uh, the execs, including Bob Iger, at the time, and they put them on it, and, and you get a very simple thing, which is you invert the, the, the chair, and you basically, as your spinal alignment kicks in, you continue the rotation on the screen, and then you invert it, coming back down. 
And, uh, and if you, once you do it, he goes, I don't understand. I don't, I don't have a belt on. How did I go upside down? <laughs> um, and like, see? So once you, get, and once you get them on board, then to be able to do it for 90 people at a time in a situation, just design a machine around it. But that's, that's what we've been doing for uh, six years. Got to do something completely different. I never thought idea. of that I would do them when we went uh, in first year. No. <laughs> it's a pretty good example of how deep you guys go, though, on, on some of this stuff. I mean, I remember I was talking, there's another member of Richie's crew, a guy called Stevie Dean. That was, he was in school he with us. He was also in school with us, and Steve was his teacher. But he told me, like, everyone thinks, like, the Avatar movies are, like, the biggest corporate, most expensive movies ever made. Stevie told me it was like working on an indie movie. It's a good. He said, it, he said it was that wild. It was that changeable. It was that. Well, crazy. It, it's a. It's the biggest gorilla movie ever made because we yeah. we we were like the first one particularly, but even we, we we kept the mantra all the way through the second, which is there was no tool set design for what we were trying to do. So what we were doing is you're, you're making it up on the fly. So you, again, it's exactly that. It's like, so you'd have a conversation, go, I, I think that'll work and you can, you can try it. And again, there are freedoms that aren't given to us that aren't necessarily available for everybody, but it's best to answer wins. And quite often it's low tech. Work fucking smart, oh, my course, sorry. <laughs> and if it's an American, <coughs> I always say it's an exclamation point. Work smart, not hard. It's like, look for the right answer. Do not put the blinkers on and say, this is how we do it. You know I mean? And because it is rife in the industry that you know, here's how a day goes. And tick this box. Tick, fucking ads would drive you bananas. Uh, uh, sorry, Maria, uh, uh, but if if she's listening to a podcast, she's our ad. But the, but they have a tendency to want to achieve their day, which is their job. You know, so here are the shots we need to do today, and this is uh, forget it. You know, you, what you have to do is say, how do we make the whole movie? You know, and then, it, like uh, in a lot of ways, um, the paradigm shift in filmmaking for us is the want and willingness to edit the movie up front. So uh, the core group was of six eight was that designed how to make the first movie, um, and it was lots of technical challenges along the way. And we could talk about any one of them if you want. But the but the idea is throw out the tool set. You know, don't worry about it. So what we did is we we don't storyboard. We basically block with the actors. Jim is an actor's director. He's because he writes himself. He, he wrote the he wrote the script. He's never offended at the fact that an actor would come and say, "My character would do this." So Sam and Zoe, and a, a story I probably shouldn't tell because it should be told in Sam's words, is that he became a big movie star and then dropped off the face of, of, of the sort of scene for a while. Well. Talking to him, he, he went off and raised two lovely little kids, uh, Razor and Rocket. But when, come, when he came back to us, his frustration was other people don't make films this is the way we did. It's like it's very much by the book, and he got incredibly frustrated and felt it was inhibitive to the process. So coming back to us to do the next one, he was like, it's completely freeing, you know, to be able to go like, I think this, I'd like to try it this way, I want to block it this way. I wouldn't do that as a as a character, and being told that sure, that give us another take, you know, and then we have two very different actors in Zoe and Sam who carried the first movie and are a massive part of the second movie. Well, Zoe is, in my opinion, the most professional actor I've ever seen. You know, there's just there's actors and there's actors. She'll give you a profound performance. Jim will ask for a small change and she will repeat it with the change she is just a machine it's like watching a human metronome she's just so good and she's emotional every time Sam, Australian he's pissing vinegar you know he's like comes in with a great 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 idea and he's all you know from the gut first three takes and then you go like, you know, it's like and what's next he's like, and then he kind of gets stale you know because he just it's like I want I've given you the ideas. I'll do it again. Well, you know, it's not, and he's not one for. He'll take direction, but he's not. You know, repeat it again. Do the same take with something. Just isn't him. But and then he hit, heats up again once the idea seats with him properly. You have to see it and watch him watch it grow, and then he hits it. So we might have again paradigm shift is we might have Zoe good on take two. And Sam might not be great until take ten. But what we do is, we take uh, all the footage we shoot on set. We do eight cameras. We witness it. We establish a line, a look. Uh, a, it's 
in a lot of ways it's for the director. I'm assuming most people know how these movies were shot. I mean, with with all motion capture and. Oh no, yeah. we skipped over that. Altogether. Yeah, well, I'm assuming there's a certain amount of I knowledge. Idea of the hundred degree. <coughs> it's a, it, think about it as black box um, theater. An actor has complete freedom, but they've nowhere to hide. That is the long and short of it. Their performance is not to a camera. It's not here, and and it is. Uh, strangely empowering for an actor. It's it's w weird <coughs> at, at the beginning. They, some actors could take to it much quicker. They're like, but where's the camera? Like, there is no camera. Be in the moment. Like, just give us everything from here. That's all. You know, and we'll establish how to tell the story through the camera after the fact. So you, you end up you with... do have these... We do have a witness camera, yeah. Cameras that you and can find. One yeah. of the things we do is we show them the world. We show them a rough version, a, a template version of it that looks like mm, 2005 video game quality, but it runs in real time for us. So it allows them to see into the world where they are, what the village looks like, what's, what's going on. And so they have a good sense. And we, we build practical sets that are, they're gray, but they represent all yeah. the things they would think If they're like contact. on a tree branch or if they're yeah. on whatever. Um, topography and interaction is everything for us. I, I've said it since before, Lord, Lord, pantomime is your enemy. You know, asking an actor to go pretend there's a big person there and I can, you know, take something from him. Oh, <laughs> it's a nightmare. Trying to animate uh, on, Lord, on Lord, there's the scene with the orcs. We got a bunch of cameras back, spurious cameras that, that Pete's trying to put together as, a, as an edit. And then you, and, and there's an orc there, and there's an orc there. You're like, there fucking has to be a better way to do this. It's like, you just. But ha asking a, a DP to point a camera and imagine there's. A twelve foot or standing in front of him, you know, how fast does he move? How big is he? What is he doing? You know, it's just it's not they're they're holding a plate and then so I'm animating after the fact that we're trying to force the posture into the frame or float people off the ground to get them in, and it was it's fundamentally the wrong way to make a film. So even today, for live action guys, you got, you got, if if you have a CG character in in a in a frame, encounter it. Bring the actors in, whoever's going to play it. Yeah, this is the, the conversation I was having with Barry Jenkins. Yeah. Barry, Barry directed, uh, I know we're jumping around a lot, I apologise. Um, That's just how you roll, Richie. It is. <laughs> but it's Barry Jenkins is the director of Moonlight. And, right, but uh, he's doing uh, Jungle Book 2. And I was going to say to him, like, Fuck all the, don't listen to anybody. It's like, grab up your actors, even if it get a troupe, we use a troupe before we use cast. Because, you know, named cast, is, it's expensive to get days. So you, but we have a troupe of actors who are stellar actors. Uh, Kevin Dorman and Alicia Vela uh, uh, Bailey are two of the best actors I've ever seen. But they are stunt people or troupe actors, actors in their own right. But they make great choices, but they allow you to block the scene really quickly and understand what it is you want to achieve when you have your actors in. So it, so it can be done relatively cheaply. You, we block out the, the, the whole thing. And then by the time you're uh, going to lay down your live action, then we go back and roll back and get it with the, with the actor to make sure the choices are, are strong. But sometimes we end up using Kevin or Alicia's performance because the stage is better, it, it's stronger. So the long and the short of it is, um, we set up a very simple system, which is witness cameras. You know, they, we call them cameras. They're optical sensors, they're computers. And they can tell where something is in space. You know, and it's, that's how motion capture works. But motion capture... People tend to think of people in suits with the little dots and move around. That it's the actor is the actor. For us, it's about knowing where everything is. So if I can track a camera in space, now I know where that sits in the digital world, and I can take a digital world and make it marry to the live action play in real time. And so, what it did, what it did for us is it, we call it simulcam. And so when the live action uh, is being shot on set, I literally flick on the uh, on a computer and have when Jim looks through the eyepiece. They'll go like, okay, well, there's where we'll have slang or somebody else in, a, in another volume. And if he's moving around, you can say, okay, he is exactly that height he is. There's a couple of other things we use. But it allows you from a compositional standpoint because we tell stories through the camera. It's, it, the camera as a character is a really misunderstood thing. So you, because you have to look at bad TV. They've all the same shots. Uh, I watched a thing with Pat Short the other day, and it was... It was a piss take on uh, CSI, those types of shows. 
and cameras rushing in and out and doing this and so all of the same shots you would see in a CSI show but Pat Short is in there and they're horribly cut and I think the point was you know this is how you would make that type of thing but it's visual language it's just visual language and the more you control it you know, so the tools are available to every filmmaker. I'm assuming most of the people in the room have an interest in film or have some experience in it. But as a filmmaker, the idea that we have this huge budget, we have the same fucking tools. No matter what. Watch great stuff that, uh, that, that there's great content out there that is made from the heart and uses visual language. <coughs> there's no secret in what we're doing, which is use the tools to make content that is, I, I think, controlled narratively through the camera from mm -hmm. the perspective of uh, the camera as a character. So it's all the same rule set. But when you look through the, the, the lens, lens yeah. do you see an avatar? Do you, yeah. see, do you see the stage? Yeah, yeah so we could compose for when we have live action. Yeah. We yeah. sort of, when, when they talk about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that we, did, we did that on the force one. And it, what's interesting oh, to me. Yeah, we made, that, we, did, we made that system on the force one. And what was crazy to me is that. We went out and evangelized. Like I said, we have people coming through all the time. Barry was the last one through. We said, look, don't let the producers up front say, we can't spend this money because the system, that's too expensive. It saves you a massive amount of money in the, in the long run in your post because you're able to take out all of the spurious cameras and the edit and everything you have to do to compromise to get the shots to work and the, the edit to work. Why being able well, to cram properly? They're always trying to make something simple. Okay? They're always yeah. trying to simplify stuff and, and, and solve problems. It's that's all your job is as a director. You're proper. You're a problem solver. Yeah, and you know, make it cheaper. Yeah, that's uh, again uh, cheaper, faster, quicker. Shouldn't be a thing. It is, but the idea is it should be cheaper, more empowering. That's where the value is. Mm -hmm. Well, we're we're talking about budget, and obviously you guys are working at a very high level yeah. budget. Um, like so, when you're when you're doing shop, when you're uh, you know you're being an effects supervisor or something, what's your relationship to the budget? Are you ever worried about the budget? Have you ever been told you can't afford something? We're in a well, we're in a we're in a different position than most people, and part of it is because we got into bed with our vendor really early. Uh, so Weta, well, I was before I was with Jim, we, we I was the head of animation at Weta, um, and they're an interesting company. They're they're a service company for all intents and purposes. But we, we're only successful if they're successful. They're only successful if we're successful. And so we partnered up and we did a, a sort of a, a development uh, project from the get-go to try to get uh, the real-time renderer working on set to find relative parity with the, what they have is a, a render system called Manuka, and that is a ray tracing renderer. And we might be getting off into things that people don't want to know about. Uh, but, the, but the point is... Uh, if we're able to build files based on the Forest movie with the experience, we're able to build files that can just flow directly into the post-effects vendor. They open them up and pick up where we leave off. Because when we hand off the movie, it is a complete movie. It is we, our template. It's not a storyboard. It is vis-vis. It's not pre-vis. It is the movie. They just now have to take that, in, plus up the animation, plus up the, 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 the photographic quality of it. And we tend not to use photographic or photorealistic, I would say, you know, because, you know, 10 foot blue people, you know, there's no realism in that, um, but it, you can make it photographic, uh, you know, and integration is just so, so being able to bounce light, you know, rays of light, basically, because now we're, we get off into some crazy shit now. <laughs> there's, there's no such thing as colour. Right, this is something that you guys no, no, should no, be teaching. No, no, no. You, 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 you jumped <laughs> now. No, no, no. <laughs> there isn't. There's only light spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, but, so, but the idea being that um, if you can do light bounces, predicted or calculated <coughs> light bounces, that gives you contamination, like where how much light passes through an object, translucency, how much bounces back, which is, you know. So, and is it, does it pick up any contamination in its, fre in its frequency? So once you start to do that, you're able to bounce light around, and it depends on how many times you, you bounce a ray of light. That's that will give you the better, well, more photographic image when you render. Now, hang on, can, I, can I pull this back a little bit? Yeah. And just say, have you ever had to say to James Cameron, no? Yeah. Well, Jim's great. Jim. No. Well, you, you can't say no because no is like a red rag to a bull. <laughs> or can't. We, we we don't do can't. Um, so, what you do is say it. If we do this, we have to give up this. 
Jim's incredibly pragmatic. He's a great director, but he's he's fucking he's as smart as a whip. Um, so he's he takes off if you can get the director hat off, you know, and put the, put his producer hat on and say, all right, we have this much time. This is what we're going to choose. Because <coughs> time is our enemy. Time is you know you know I mean. Even if you have endless you know resources, you still have finite resources in time, in render processing, in artist time. So you really have to try spend it smartly. So we tend not to say can't. You say, right, this is difficult, this is easy. Is the proportional di uh, difference between what we achieve worth it? You know, and that's really the way you want to approach it. You know, like, we'll get to 95%, 99%. To go the 100, you know, it, you know, we have to approach it a completely different way. Facial animation, we had at the end of Alita. Um, the rig that we started on Gollum, I started with a guy called Bay Rate which was how to solve physiography. And so we're going to get off track again. The difference between, you know, there's a common physiology to almost everybody. You know, so how your muscles are attached in your face, where they, where they strand. So, you know, up to, say, from Gollum all the way through Alita, it's, uh, it really is blend shape driven, understanding what the face, the expression you're trying to achieve, and then what the, the baseline ex expression is before. And then being able to emote properly, you have to try to understand how does the muscles, how do the muscles fire in between, and therefore, um, you know, how do the energies flow from one shape to another? Which is, as humans, we're incredibly educated about it, we just don't realize. We wake up as a, you know, as a baby, and you can, they literally can look at a face and go like, right, they're sad, they're happy, and it's micro-expressions. This is the whole about, thing about the uncanny valley, right? That's well, what that's the danger. Right? Yeah. So, so you, get, like, you get to a point where, great expression, great expression, but the, 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 the in-betweens, for all intents and purposes, anybody who's in animation, how these images flow together, you get <coughs> this weird, creepy feel, you know? So, um, for us... Gollum was, Gollum was kind of considered the first well, Gollum character. Well, was too. really hard because yeah. we had to stay on top of it. You know, it's like, because it get, but we did it by forcing tertiary and se secondary and tertiary blend shapes in, going collision shapes. So if you need to flow from here to here, Zygo Major and, uh, and the Buccinator do not work together unless the Ubicularis is firing. You know, they just don't. Right, so, so you had to get a medical degree as part of well, uh, no, as part of figuring all this stuff out. Well, what? You just read. You just study. <laughs> yeah, but but you, there's so much to be learned. You know, it's like but what you find is there's huge events of commonalities. Um, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. Right, they, they we were in a tricky spot with that one where we still hadn't got a main actor, um, but we were in production. It was uh, originally uh, I, we were we the studio wanted Russell Crowe. Um, uh, to be Aslan, is it? To be Aslan. Uh, Russell, uh, uh, Liam Neeson was, was possibly on books. Brian Cox was the voice we were using as, as a test. And, um, the, oh, and, I'd love to see that as a test of Brian Cox. Yeah, fuck I, off. I, I, I have a couple. Aslan, go, yeah. fuck yeah. off. Yeah. To, the, to the kids. Literally. <laughs> I, have, I animated that one myself. <laughs> but you, so you had um, the studio going, well, here there's, there's you know, 300 shots of the movie of Aslan. Towards you, he's not talking. Do those ones first. I'm like, what the <coughs> fuck? Are you? you guys are fucking morons. The hardest shots are in a monologue. What somebody is thinking, how they're feeling, how do you put a character up? You know, so how do you animate them without knowing the character? You, so Andrew was the lad who was directing at the time. He goes, well, what would you do? Who would you cast? And I'm like, honestly, if I, you, you're going to because if any of these don't land, I would love the ideal. It's like Gregory Peck. Is, is fucking who it is, you know what I mean? So we did all of those ones as Gregory Peck, because it, it, it was a body of work, and it was, I mean, he's at, as on his Addis, Atticus Finch, you know what I mean? So, it went, you know, when you read it as a kid. But um, what we did is we, we took uh, old footage of Gregory Peck and tried to find all the, the appropriate physiognomy for, for Aslan, and that's, that's what we did in that one. And then when, <laughs> when it came, push came to show up, and we're like, fuck, if it is Russell Crowe, we'll have to do all those shots again. There's, there's no way. When it ends up being Liam Neeson, I'm like, all right, man, that's nicely in the pocket of them. See, his, his career took a turn since then. He did take it, and he became a different guy. But, um, but before that, as, a, as an actor, how he delivers, you know, his, his, the, how reserved he is and, you know, with, with his delivery without being over-enunciated and how he, how he does inner monologue and the difference between text and subtext. He does 
it very similarly, I think the process is very similar to, to, to similarly to Gregory Peck. Again, like I said, pre-taken. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, then we're off track again, but you can ask a different question. <laughs> Did I answer that one? <laughs> so you never well, said no to James Cameron, basically. No, we, no, we, and we have, but, but, I, we, but we don't. I, I, we talked about I don't, because, because yeah. it, does, it doesn't do any fucking good. He smells, <coughs> he's a really bright guy. Super well read. He knows as much about anything as like, well, again, anybody. Excuse my coughing, by the way. I have tested negative for COVID. <laughs> I, I, as a boy, and I'm going around It's, it's, it's a hay it's fever a, thing. It's. Uh, I'm really apologise. I was up late having a drink, and then had to do a two-hour review. So at one o'clock in the morning, I, I was, and then the boys were up jumping off of Black Rock here. <laughs> That's where I left the kids. Did so. I say yeah? So Richie is technically on holidays at the moment, but still he's working every day. So it's a bit mad. Um, so. Just to talk, because obviously there's live action people and animation people here today. So just, you know, can you talk about just some of the mistakes or challenges maybe that live action directors can come up with sometimes when they work in a VFX? Interestingly enough, we just we did just talk about it, which is the assumption of uh, of what what what's going to be on the screen. We're, you know, and not pra- planning properly the 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 camera around a digital camera, a, a, a digital character. You know, because you get. <clears throat> Just trying to have a, a, a head of animation or a VFX who talk to the DP about how quickly characters move before before they ever appear on screen. And if you can't afford to um, stand them up visually and be able to see them through, through your lens, that's totally understandable. Still have the conversation before you shoot. Do not give... Like Andrew Leslie did... Um, he was the DP on, on uh, Lord... He did all of these great plates out on the, um, the elephant box. For there's a, in Lord, there's a uh, a, war, a war battle where the kid the kids are crossing the the, the open plains and there's wargs, uh, big essentially dogs orcs on them. And they uh, like there was a fucking mess because it was like all right, well because Andrew's not he won't shoot beautiful plates. And you go all right, now put a battle in there. Right? The camera's not moving at the same time as. The, the, the character. So what we did instead, and this is one of the first times, really this first step into uh, how would we do it if we had a perfect way to do it, and the, the sort of the very beginning of Simulcam. I took ten animators and made them. All, they all animated a different battle vignette, and then what we did is I take all of each of them and put them into a into a scene file together, and then we made each of them put a camera on somebody else's, and and so. So you generate essentially dailies, like as if somebody went out instead of out into a field, mm-hmm. shooting plates, went out and did. Um, uh, Jesus, that young man's having a hard time hanging on. You must have had a late night. <laughs> <laughs> but just for the record, I've been there, and uh, yeah. don't feel guilty. That's just serotonin. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there. I mean, I'm Take off the jacket, and you'll be grand. But 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 the. But the point being, they, uh, once we did that, we were able to understand, all right, how can we take any of these plates and marry them up against this moment of fine pieces? But we turned all that over to, to Pete Jackson. Pete Jackson's a very interesting guy, and he's a very good director, uh, not a great actor. He, uh, he does appear in But he does insist on being in everything. But he's a, but he's a brilliant editor. Mm. And we gave him all of those, and what was interesting is, so we had, all right, you have to put a camera on, you're covering this action, then covering this action. And everybody had to cover all the actions and stagger them in time and stack them in the back. And I basically re- reviewed them and said, yeah, yeah, give me this, give me this. And sometimes, quite often, it was the whip that was in between when you're going from this event to this event, which was considered to be garbage, you know, in some ways, but had the most energy, had the most, you know, sort of, Energy to cut a battle. So when we cut it, it was a, we sent Andrew back out and going like, "Get me plates that look and feel like this." You know, okay. So, that, so yeah. but it was that effectively just doing previs. No, they ended up in the shots. That war, okay. that is the war battle. We got plates to match what we'd done. Wow. You know, so right. um, so it, but ultimately the discovery is, if you have a DP and say, "Imagine this," make sure they do it in an informed manner. Make sure that they understand how big something is, how fast it moves, whether or not. And big things don't move slowly. That fucking, just because you're doing that. It's big weights take a long time to return, so recovery takes longer, but they move equally as fast. So once you get momentum and now you're getting into back into good physics, again, just understanding how things move. As an animator, you get up every day 
because I still consider myself an animator, uh, my job is to tell stories. That, that is it. And you tell the story within the story. You know, it's like so, like somebody had a shot there last week. Like, oh, but it's just, you know, uh, it's an object being thrown. I was like, tell me, fucking tell me when I watch it, what is the compound makeup? How, how heavy is it? What shape is it? Does it have surface resistance? You know, there's a story inside a story. And an animator should be able to find it. Which is, your job is to watch the world, take in as much information as you can, and replicate it through. Um, and whether you bend that to be cartoonish or change it to be funny or, you know, whatever the choices are, the key is to understand what it is before you bend it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like the flag or the bouncing ball. You're you still teaching those ones? Yeah. Or the emotional sack. Fundamentals. Now, I, 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 take, I went, went to Weta as the head of animation for Weta, took all the senior animators, everybody, who'd been animating for years, they're right, I want to see a bouncing ball from everybody. And they were, they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> they were like, some people were like, I'm not doing it. I'm like, right, I was like, here's what I want. I want a, a, a written sheet beforehand. Tell me what type of ball it is. Tell me the tensile strength. Tell me the bounce. You know, before you animate it. Before you animate it. Because it doesn't matter damn if you animate it after and go, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Because you're not making choices. You're reacting to the work, which is the thing that needs to be added in, 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 as do bounce a ball at the start of the year, then do it again at the end of the year. But this time, tell me what you want. You want to do a fucking, you, you want to do a cannonball move? That's in force. You know what I mean? Because you can, the way, um, the, the, the way things fall, how heavy they are, how they stop, what, the, what is the interruption, you know, tell it at a base level. It is a story. Tell me that story. You know, and anybody who says it's below me, beneath me, fuck, they're not, they're worthless. They shouldn't even be in the industry. You know, so, just an opinion. Did you get people fired, Richie? You spoke about the you no know, previous <coughs> storyboards or anything for Avatar. Like, how does that work? Like, no, like animatic or no, we don't. We go straight from the script and we bring our actors in. And where most people would do a table read, we do a table read, but it really isn't. We we get in to uh, we get into the situation on like like being on a, a stage and yeah, act it out, and we will record that as we go. So, and then from there, we'll actually go, all right, then we're going to commit to, and we witness it with an ACAM. So those ACAMs, you know, like, you know when you read a scene with the meat of the, the dialogue is here, and you're going to be who you're going to be on when in close-up. So you can forget the close-ups. You know what they're, they're going to come after the fact. Get your motifs, get your, 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 your side of the line established. And now, you, all of a sudden, you go, okay, I have a witness to it, which is much better than a storyboard. You don't need... It depends. Look, there's... We do... We do, again, the paradigm shift, which is we, we capture the, the, uh, the, the performances, we hone them, we bring the editor into it, and Jim's his own editor, Steve Rifkin. We lost uh, one of our, our editor, and one of our editors is a great guy, man. We're just, we were so blessed to pick up David on this one, and then he, he passed suddenly. But um, he was a real good, really good addition because he got it, and which was we edit the movie before the movie exists. So you get it down to the, a finite set of performances. And then once, once you do that, you go, okay, well, if I'm a cameraman, and I do camera and Jim does camera, and we tell the story through the camera. And it, what you're doing is you go, okay, what are the other compositional factors that will drive this scene? Let's say there's an explosion and everybody's reacting to the explosion. How big is the explosion? How fast is it moving? If there's, is there a creature in it? You know, are, are they playful? Are they tre threatening? Are they? You need to get a blocking. It doesn't have to be beautiful animation, but you can get a blocking in quickly. And we were blessed with some great people, Eric Reynolds this time around, Andy Jones on the first movie, world class but, animators. But, by the way, the reason not to have storyboards is it because that'll kind of make you go it, down one alley and it inhibits and it inhibits the process. Yeah, it, it inhibits the, the, how best to tell the story because. The truth is, you can just, you can get locked into the idea that that's the shot. It's not the fucking shot. Not for us. Not even close. Because and then even when I, when I, I we do what's called RCP, um, rough camera pass, or Jim calls it Richie camera pass. It's, it's funny. It's like so we'll do a pass on it, and I'll do coverage dailies, and when we'll do an edit, and I'll do an edit on the fly with a, sometimes a junior editor. Sometimes we have editors who are quite experienced, but so ingrained in the old, this is how, you know, you go close up, medium, reverse, I'm like, fuck off, like, stop, 
like tell the story how do we how do we tell the story and I'll, we'll do a full block and send it down to Jim and go like I would never do that or that's because look truth is we're already following the ACAMs and Jim's directing the ACAMs so it's not like we're, we're moving away from what Jim is directing but what we are doing is hopefully picking up the seeds that he's laid down and then he'll work on top of it he'll take the edit that we do and go like alright we'll do four different edits four different versions you know uh, different types of coverage and whether you want to cover it empathetically or sympathetically or you want it to feel like, the, the, you know, you want the cameras to have a handheld feel and make it feel threatening or uncomfortable for the audience. It's back to Talma Chambers, teaching visual language. When I was a student, didn't quite get it. Stayed true and forced myself to learn it. And it turned out to be the most valuable class I ever took. You know what I mean? Which is visual language is, that is our medium. You know, regardless of animation, film, it's what are you t how are you telling the story through, through the camera? Because ultimately, you're presenting it on screen. You know, unfortunately, there is this, but hopefully, even kids are, doing, are holding their phone the right way. Uh, but, uh, it, but, but the format's important. The understanding the visual language, that is the key. But by the way, is the same setup when you're shooting something in a full set? The live action, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, no, we will. We shoot word. all. Yeah, we yes. shoot all digital. Everything we shoot the whole scene, and then we'll edit the scene before we ever shoot the live action. So that so when you walk into the live you action know, set, you know it, you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So you're not you're not storyboarding, um, but, and there is room. Again, we still provide room. That's why we do the simulcam. So if Jim decides that we we use a techno dolly, anybody uh, 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 have. Coming from a, a, back, a, a, a CG integration background, you used to have to do these uh, repeated moves. So you'd have layers, you'd, you know, so you can put CG characters yeah. in. You get a clean plate, you get layers. And oh my God, it was endless. It was, but the exact You same might exact get six ability. shots in a day yeah. because of it. Well, we use a, a techno dolly. And the techno dolly now, if we shoot or modify, or I can, in Maya, modify the curves, uh, you know, and just push it back to the techno dolly, and the techno dolly will repeat it. So repeatable moves are instant now. It's such a powerful little wow. piece of equipment, and it's just a crane that can repeat. That's all it is. It's gold, you know. That is pretty cool. Any any other questions from? Uh, we can. Um, I watched a documentary on the Irishman and about the aging. It just yeah. seems kind of uh, when you're talking about the getting emotions of the face for animation. Yeah. In, in the in the documentary on the Irishman about the de aging, is there any similarities between the animation? Did you like it? No. Did you feel it worked? It seemed a bit stiff at times. Did it? But is there any? Is did, it, was it, did you find it creepy? <laughs> a bit kind of rubbery, yeah. So they're doing topography tracking, uh, which is what we would have done a long time ago. You can do for cheap video. They don't build from the inside out. There's no. Uh, um, understanding of the physiognomy, the muscles, and what's what's actually happening. They're just doing topographical. They're taking the actor, Botox. Um, basically uh, yeah, digital, digital Botox. Digital Botox. <laughs> so they should have done, tried to have done more. Doing photographic. Well, and I would have done it differently. No, no, look, it depends. There's no point in saying, you know, Martin Martin Scorsese is a smart guy. And knows what he wants to do. Um, I have a very nice note from 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 Martin Scorsese because. Uh, oh, by the way, Richie was actually in the Departed. I am. I don't see the Departed. Yeah. He's in the Departed. Well, here's a, here's a thing. Now, now we're probably on track. He didn't track. tell anyone. He didn't <laughs> tell anyone. I was in the cinema. I was like, "That's fucking Richie." <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened was we were shooting with Rob Legato, who's uh, who's Martin's uh, Martin's fucking uh, VFX soup, and uh, he came through the set and. He was with Rob. Uh, with, anyway, long story short, we're on set, and he goes, "The Martin keeps describing you." I'm like, "What the fuck?" He goes, "They had a named part in the movie, uh, Miles Kinnefick, and he was a significant actor, uh, pay, uh, a star." The, the part, as the script revolved, got written down into a very small part, <coughs> and they were like, "Well, we can't use a big time actor for it." So, this is just partly they won't sign up to do it. Well, uh, anyway, he keeps. He, he, going describe and so they went through apparently hundreds of actors these you know uh, to try find this face <laughs> so and so, he was meant to be an Irish guy right yeah so he did so he said Boston talk yeah so not a talent talk so Rob says Marty keeps describing you all like fuck god and he, he goes Rob look at Richie what like who does he remind you uh, and he goes, he goes, he goes, 
Martin keeps describing you. I'm like, fuck. So there's a picture of me, literally with a cup of tea in the morning, first thing, coming on second. Ah, go fuck yourself. And that's exactly what I'm saying when they took the photo. And so he sends it up and he comes back an hour later and goes, yeah, Martin said that, you're the face. Like, so I'm going, the, the piss take has gone too far. I was like, this is me now. No way. You know? So about two weeks later, uh, he, gives me, he gives a call and he says, uh, can you meet me over on the Sony lot? I'm like, for what? I'm like, he goes, to do the pickup. I'm like, yeah, fuck off. I'm like, no way I'm going. I'm like, I'm not going to be fooled. You know? So John, I told you, the producer, he, they called, called him. John comes out and goes, no, you seriously, you have to get, uh, get over to the, to the Sony lot. I'm like, I saw so I go over and there's a full second unit up. And I go into makeup, he's shot in the head, baseball bat, torn up the clothes. I'm like, what the fuck is he? They pick me up, put me in a dumpster, you know, take <laughs> all the photos of finding the dead body. Uh, and we did another, a different, a different shoot, different video, witness photos. Anyway, long story short, send the stuff up to Marty and, uh, uh, and Rob goes, it's all man, he came through, said, yeah, he's a great guy, Rob Legato. And he uh, comes through and goes, Marty, Marty didn't like the, uh, <laughs> I'm like, all right, fair enough. We never thought about it. About two weeks before the movie came out, uh, I saw Rob again. And he goes, I just saw the quote of the movie. He goes, he used the photo that we were all like, <laughs> that one. And so there's a mask, the, in the movie, if you watch it again, there's a mask card uh, at the start. And then there's uh, Mark Wahlberg goes, who's the bad? And, can, and uh, opens up, throws a file. And all those photos are the photos of, uh, of us doing the second in the shoot. So principal role. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I got a lovely case of Guinness from, from Marty. And <laughs> so, uh, I think that question is that, that I, I, I didn't don't know if animators worked on, on, on that particular. This was one of the No, animators have the eye for for weight and movement and kind of. I think screen scene actually worked. Yeah, so so they're, they're, they're 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 what they used was a, an algorithm to try solve it, and you would get it most of the way there. Um, and you, again, I would agree 100. percent If you take animators out, if you take yeah, animation rigging and control out and choices, you'll end up with a spurious what result. And and well, spurious because sometimes it was wooden, sometimes it was rubber. And, uh, like you know, and they, those things, those things shouldn't exist in the same sense. But trying to learn and, and kind of uh, mix the de aging people with the animation. More same people like, again. More. Depends on the depends on the, there's no people when you oh. use an algorithm. You, 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 again, I I deal with um, there's a good portion of our crew are. Um, and this is one of the reasons I've had to learn software and you know, so, but we have a bunch of developers because you're looking for tools you, you, but then, and you, when you're trying to describe as an artist what, what a tool would, that would empower art because technology is fuck all use if it doesn't empower art if, in our industry um, yeah, so trying to, but trying to get them focused on the thing you need to make the images you want can be really tricky because it, it takes a while to learn where to go. Oh, I can, make, I can make it do this. And they're writing code, and then you see it, and you go, like, it does everything except the thing you want. And you're like, what the fuck? So you really have to stay on it. Um, and then you also get producers who go, like, oh, that looks great to me. I'm like, what fucking art school did you go to? Like, how did you, when did you put 30 years in? You know what I mean? And so they go like, well, that looks good, enough. that looks great, or a still image. So you can end up with um, stuff that isn't ideal. And again, it's not necessarily in anybody's fault in a case like that. It, what it is, is it's process. You need to establish a protocol that, that, is, that, that sort of gives artistic review along the way. That, and when you're making a movie like that, or a, a, a show... Uh, it's it's technically a movie, right? Is it, or is it was because I watched no, it in a, a couple. Yeah, I watched yeah, it in a couple yeah. of parts. It's long. Yeah. Um, that uh, they ended up, I think, losing sight of the fact that that if you don't believe in those characters, and I personally was completely taken out every time I, 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 one of the de aging scenes came up. They're like, you know, it's a fun idea because we use de aging for for a long time, like just to remove like you know, lions, whatever, but, or to make somebody look younger for the reasons of where it fits narratively in, in, in a movie. Um, but they should have, look, the problem wasn't just the de-aging. There's, there's, there's scenes of, you know, 74-year-old guys kicking a guy on the ground. It looks very and it's like, uh, you know, I'm like, get young actors, put the, you know, make it feel like they're of the right physical energy, you know, so you can mess it up several different ways, and people can often think they're doing the right thing, but you know, and when you see the result, you Are you surprised Scorsese left that scene in outside the, when he's kicking the shopkeeper because 
Yeah. Look, and you know, he, he's now an older guy, and and, and he's he's less. I, mean, I shouldn't. I don't know him, so I shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I shouldn't speak for him. Um, I I don't know is the answer. But like, as an artist, you make a choice. He may have looked at it and said, you know what? Everybody knows they're 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 uh, of a, a certain age, and. Suspension of disbelief will carry it. I believe in the characters. So, as a director, he may have made that choice. I don't know. I've never had a conversation with him about it. But, but you have to go like, okay, well, he stood up an honest piece and he, yeah. he put his heart out there, and, and and you know, it was well received. I didn't like it. Well, that's that's. Sure. I'm sure that doesn't hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Richie, we're nearly out of time, so I just wanted to ask. Jeez, so you had, Did you get uh, through the questions? So, if you had a message for animation or live action directors and you could put it on a billboard, what would that be? Like, it works smart, not hard. You know what I mean? It's like, it really is. It's like, there's, there's, and book the trend. There's lots of stuff to be, you can adapt. But really look for low tech works great. You know what I mean? It's great to have all the bells and whistles, and, but quite often we'll solve things mm-hmm. in a gorilla style, really charge. But know what you want to say. Narrative, narrative, narrative. It's all at the front end. You know, um, really sort of decide what you want to say and how you want to say it, and then commit to that path. You know, because there's fucking there's there's too many voices. You know, along the way, don't make shit by committee. Um, it's so, and no, not ne- nobody or very few people get that opportunity to be a single voice early on in your career you can do it when you're when you have a super small budget and nobody cares or a super large budget and you have enough power to say fuck off so everything else in between um, is a harder road to navigate but you but you still want to carve it out and work with people that one you trust and that you believe will want to protect the long-term vision of the project mm-hmm. you know that that uh, and look we all have to do jobs you know it, that you don't necessarily like so suck it up, fucking make it as good as you can. I don't care if you don't want to be on it. I don't care if you don't like the content. Make it as good as you can, and learn from it. You can learn more from a failure than a success. Well, and did you have mentors along the way, or what did they teach yeah, you? Yeah, Brad Boardman and and Jim, Pete's another guy, but Brad Board uh, was Morris. How are you? But uh, but Brad Board is one of those guys who worked inside the studio system for a long time I was knocked back knocked back knocked back by the time we did Iron Giant um, it was there was writing was on the wall we were like 26 years old I was one of the senior animators you know what I mean it's like and we were going to freaking show Disney you know it's like and uh, yeah yeah, exactly and uh, without the sport of a studio you really weren't going anywhere we would shown the, the, the movie a rough cut of the movie and Brad came back from Warner's fairly well you know they they're 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 out. They're like the, there was a there was an email circulated at the time where the head of marketing said, "Don't mention that movie to me again." We're doing the, the little princess is the, is the movie we're putting out there. Brad, uh, the, the Iron Giant won't isn't a, 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 a tempo movie and won't be won't be getting any support. <laughs> so um, and we were I was devastated, hurt by it. We fucking we were down to a handful of crew and we were pushing hard. Um, uh, but Brad had the greatest perspective on it. He was like, look, we're going to be left alone now. We can make the movie we want. Who gives a shit? He's like, I, we can't care about what it does, box office. We can't care about, you know, who's going to like it. Don't like it. You, you've got to commit to making the best piece of art you can, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I honestly, it's like one of those where um, Pete Jackson, I probably ended up working with Pete on, on Lord because he fucking loved Iron Giant and wanted to talk about it. You know, and he's like, you know, when we start talking about, you know, breaking the hand away and trying to get two things, you know, solving things technically, trying to get two and 3D to work together, like there was all sorts of, you know, computer programming to try to fix it. And I'm like, oh, and by the way, anyone, if you're talking to Richie later, ask him how he put the 2D and 3D together. Well, I'm gonna, I'm the gonna most low-fi thing low, in the low world. Low-tech. Do anybody tech. in the room do animation? Right, so, you know what a pegboard is? You know what your paper is? Fucking... Turned the, took the pegboard off the board, put it on the computer, taped it, got acetate, which are clear ones, and animated in Chinograph. Uh, in, 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 and so that I could flip, I had to learn to flip. You were doing the 2D and the 3D. And the 3D, so I could move, uh, so that the impart, imparted forces, integration only works with imparted forces. This is why pantomime is your enemy. So if one character is touching another, 
the energy uh, that's, that's been fed from one to the other clearly has an effect on the other. And if you don't, it just looks fucking fake. So, and that holds true for, 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 for you know, who cares it's a cartoon? I fucking care, because <laughs> it's going to go out there and it'll represent what, what I put into it. So that scene um, where the hand breaks away, um, <coughs> the, way we, the way it worked out was, and it was much harder back then, thinking about it now. Like you can't go online onto YouTube and go, hey, show me a great Dane in a, a Well, in, well that's in, it as well. You kitchen. decided to make the hand a puppy, right? So but that's, but it, it was America's funniest home videos or something on TV. I'd seen a big great Dane puppy, you know, banging around in the kitchen. Not, not known. He is destroying the place. Everybody's going like, oh, and he's just a puppy. So I did an animated test of the hand as an animated puppy. Uh, and who's too big to understand how strong he is yeah. and Brad was like oh, love it you, you do the whole scene again to the to, 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 to Brad's credit he had to protect me uh, you know put, it in, put me literally in a bubble and go like you do the whole scene and production is like we'll never finish you can't do that everybody has to do a scene each he's like no fuck it like do it commit to it the whole idea should have a have its own true line and so you tell a story within the story and, the, and for me, the story was the hand when it breaks away is its own personality. It's a different personality than the than the giant. It's very creative thinking. 